Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Kalajers, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I am joined by someone I have had the pleasure of working with for almost nine years, one of our best tenured, longest lasting, greatest, most energetic, most fun to watch instructor is John Gutrell. Hi, John. Hello, Rebecca. Uh, thanks for having me on uh, the podcast. And uh, wow, you definitely set the bar high with that intro. Uh, I don't know if I'm old, good, or experienced, but I will be energetic, I guarantee it. You can be all of those things, all at once. All right. Fair so- enough, fair enough. There has been so many conversations in so many different channels about, you know, the switch to remote work that so many people did so quickly with with COVID. But I think what I want to do today, John, and what you and I have talked about is what does that specifically mean, though, for product team members, right? There's, you know, great aspects of working remote in general and, and good best practices, but how do we really make that come home for product managers and product marketers and what they need to do to be successful in this remote environment. Does that sound like fun? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I think everyone's got that situation. I don't know if it's fun more so as reality, but uh, I have to imagine in the, in the current environment as a product team lead, either working with engineering to, to deliver the product or making sure we, we tell the right stories and, and align sales, you know, this creates a level of distribution, right? It, it's no longer like a hub and spoke model, if you will, for remote uh, working. Many people working remote into corporate, everyone is remote. We have different timelines, we have different tools, and uh, it just really requires a lot for us as product folks to continue to build relationships. And uh I don't know. Have you ever worked re- remotely, Rebecca, in, in your career? Uh, just for the last four months. Just the last four months. Um, and so um, what was some of the biggest challenges you've seen working with your team? Because I managed folks remotely. And I'll tell you, distributed teams take a little more effort. What do you see? But I, and I think that the effort's a really good way of putting it. One, I'm a fairly casual communicator in style anyway, right? So I like to like drop by your desk and talk something out. I really like to brainstorm. Uh, and that doesn't translate as well remotely. So a little bit more formality, a little bit more planning, and a little bit more documentation. I wouldn't say we've gone crazy that way, but reinforcing things in Slack and those things have been important because you don't get some of those casual walk-by conversations and reminders. Uh, in the work yeah place. yeah I mean you know the the interactions uh, I, you know, I, had, I worked for a person that said called it management by walking around engaging folks asking questions and I did um, I guess four or five almost five years remote uh, working out of Michigan and then uh, as I worked there with headquarters in Atlanta some folks in the UK and, and, and Silicon Valley um, what I found is that it was really easy for me, especially when I was an individual contributor, to just get buried into work. So one of the first things I did, and I don't know if this is unique to what you're seeing in your recent transition and everybody else's with more remote work, but you got to figure out what it is that space and that schedule um, 
that works not just for you, but for your team. And I, I found that it required a little bit of time shifting for me um, and uh, a willingness maybe to get just off chat, uh, if, if you will, Slack or Teams. Uh, and it's great that we have video today. Uh, but, you know, sometimes just interactive in a in a synchronous way and seeing people's face, I think, is, is really important to build uh, trust and, and also maintain credibility with your teams. So that's one thing that I that I see is, is a real big challenge, just being remote conceptually and, and based on my experience. I don't know if that's changed. Um, but I would say that uh, we do sometimes become really over-reliant on text tools. Not everybody communicates or connects the same way. Yeah, I think that's all good points, too, because there is a lot more asynchronous working uh, with, with everyone's home life. Now, all the remote, but also all of the other responsibilities as kids are schooling at home. You do need to allow that shift, which makes, again, text tools more attractive. And you can definitely over-rely on those. Yeah, and that, and I think even even where we have uh, you know synchronous interactions like on Slack or, or on Teams, if you will, I think uh, we also sometimes uh, think that by sharing information. I mean, this is something I saw with with teams I worked worked with and led. Um, product managers want to share a lot of information with their key stakeholders across the business, and sometimes instead of filtering it and analyzing it. Uh, it's super easy today to just pass it on and broadcast it without context. So I think there's a, a good deal of a important uh, opportunity, if you will, for product folks to take advantage of the quiet time that you can break out that, that you probably didn't have working in an office and start finding the, the things that are meaningful for your stakeholders. Because if you, you too often broadcast information uh, in a hopes of maybe sharing con uh, facts, it loses empathy and context, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's good. I remember, you know, particularly when everyone first shifted to remote, they talked about how many more meetings there were. Uh, and, and that's somewhat true. But I also think that we all recognize when you don't have a meeting, it's truly free time to focus, right? You don't have the walk-by uh, sort of problems that the reverse side of being able to walk by and manage is that you think you have this block of free time and it easily gets consumed in the office where, where those are a little bit more secure. And it's a great time to, like you said, to do proactive, more strategic work. Uh, and also to your point to spend some time in polishing how you present that information, right. Um, so that they can consume it well and that it's really heard and seen and not just noise that gets lost. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, and, you know, that's what you see a lot in my in, in my experience, and in, in, in many of these like Slack channels and the like. It's like this real time interaction of random thoughts that you know sometimes are meaningful, but sometimes are just distractions. Right? And so I think uh, you still do have distractions; they just don't physically kind of become. I mean, ad hocracy is limited. But I think we still have dings, rings, and refreshes that uh, get in the way. And so I think um, get in the space, get your schedule. I love to said all the complexities of homeschooling. I, I've actually um, batched my life, right? I, I think in terms of chunks, like this is my reading time, this is my uh, research time, and this is the time that I, I reach out and, and uh, work with teams and, and folks that that are my cohorts. So. Uh, 
I actually find that blocking time on your calendar and owning your calendar is, is critical, especially when it's remote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to put all my meetings next to each other now. Uh, where you're kind of running back and forth, but then you've got more downtime to really dig in on things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's how I'm operating. So one of the things that I, that as a manager, I found really important when we switched to remote, which I also think has very much parallels with with all product managers, is it was the the social side, right? The the my my team works very hard. We have a lot of fun. We laugh really hard, uh, and that you know, within these, these Zoom work-focused meetings, you, you kind of lose some of that, some of that connection, some of the emotional um, ties that, that not only got people working together well, but kind of motivated people. Um, and I think when we think about how product managers and marketers work with other groups without, you know, quote-unquote authority, it's often through these, you know, it's through doing a good job, but there's also like an emotional connection to that. So I, I think that's an important thing to try to recreate or to keep alive in a remote setting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nurturing relationships are critical, motivating folks. Um, and so I ended up remote uh, for the, you know, almost five years and that happened out of an acquisition and uh, before I relocated to, to Atlanta, but uh, Immediately as the culture integrated, I don't know if it was the new company or me being remote, I felt disconnected. And, and I worked with my manager at the time, uh, Steve, and what he had said to me is, John, you know, you're working remote, so it's going to require you to take additional effort to make sure everyone's aligned. Uh, and it's not just sending emails, it's picking up the phone, it's getting on WebEx, and truly engaging people. That's one of the burdens that, you know, along with the wonderful benefits of working remotely is you do have to invest that effort to, to keep those relationships in, in place and the awareness of what's going on across the whole organization, right? Um, you no longer get the little sort of back channel insights of change or opportunities um, and the like. So you lose a little bit of that just sort of ad hocracy of interaction, which which I understand. And that's something that I think you have to recreate in some way. And I know that uh, I found that challenging, without a doubt, especially when I led, led teams, because one-on-ones aren't necessarily great places to motivate. It's a place to get an update, right? And then, you know, how many Zoom uh, happy hours can you have? I mean, they're wonderful. Uh, when we're able to do it, but they don't replace that that reality of interaction. You're absolutely right, Rebecca. Yeah, it's interesting because I was really thinking about that that sort of overt, like let's build the team, right? So we do like a virtual lunch and like one time we played Pictionary and one time everybody submitted a picture of their favorite thing in their house that wasn't like a person or an animal. Uh, one time they brought like a guest, could be anyone, right? So, I mean, little things like that have been fun for that part, but you brought something up, which I hadn't really thought about. Uh, but I think is so critical, John, which is the, the sort of um, the reading the room kind of thing, right? That back channel, I think is what you talked about, where you can kind of get a yeah. sense of the shifting tides of changing strategies, of, of just changing sort of political structures that you can get when you're in person, if you're observant, right? And I think a lot of product people are very empathetic and that helps read that too. It is very hard to do uh, in a remote setting. And um I don't, I don't think I really thought about that or even how one would try to recreate that in any way. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is something that, um, you know, it's interesting the data science people talk a lot about building a culture of sharing information. And, you know, we can share data and models, or we can share updates and activities. And I think that, you know, a little more statusing uh, as a manager, sharing goals, performance, and, and uh, you know, where you are relative to that target, whatever those OKRs might be for your company. I think it just means we have to share more corporate or more leadership type of information that would by happenstance come up. But I do want to take, I'm not saying Zoom happy hours are bad, <laughs> all right? But I will say this, what a wonderful way to realize our co-workers are people too. Mm. They have lives, they have uh, frustrations. And, you know, and I, I think I've seen it. I've, I've, I've definitely maybe evidenced it uh, during our uh, work, our quarantine kind of time. Um, but I think uh, if there's anything great coming out of this remote working is that I think we're going to have a lot more respect and, and understanding for the other person. Uh, I'm certainly hoping that uh, I've learned a lot uh, working with the folks in Scottsdale uh, over the last what is it, four months now as we, we uh, do things considerably different. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's great. Uh, so I think we've I've actually built insights to people that I didn't have before. I don't know. Have you seen that? I mean, you start about things around the house. That's a great game to play. Yeah, I do. I think it's that uh, seeing people in three D, right? Uh, that if that if you don't overtly try during the remote, can be a little bit hard. But then sometimes not, right? Like, I mean, my cat has made several appearances on different web channels, so everyone knows I have a cat now. Uh, my kiddo will pop up, so you do get those insights into things and it does give you that depth of a view of a person um, and not just your employees, but your customers. Uh, you know, we do product chats uh, once a week and we do them online and a lot of people have their cameras on and, and it really does give you more depth into them and who they are as people, um, which is, can be really, really powerful for product teams. Yeah. And I think uh, another thing to remember is that, you know, not just do they have other lives, they're in other time zones, they're in other cultures. I um, certainly <clears throat> had the opportunity uh, to do a lot of travel before I uh, joined Pragmatic. I was leading a team in Germany. I had some folks in the U.S., I had some folks in Italy and Spain, and uh, I would always be in Europe. And one night I uh, sent an email, I guess it would be like 10 p.m., uh, European time. And uh, I was co coached that, you know what, sending emails at 10 p.m. may artificially create stress on teams, on team members. Hmm. I mean, basically what you're modeling is work doesn't stop. And, and I mean, maybe that's full circle to where we started, but I, I think that's a, you know, we got to control the immediacy of interaction and, and honor the the lives and, and, and really the time zones of folks too, I think is critical if we're going to build true relationships. Yep. I think that's a really good point. I do think as, as the leaders and the managers, it's our, our, we have to kind of lead by example. So to your point, if I'm emailing out at 10, they're going to think that that's when they're supposed to be looking or, or going versus if I, I'm, I'm a big fan of I don't always remember. My team will call me out on this, but uh, of you draft the email, right? If, if you're working and you got to get something out, you just draft it so you can stop thinking about it and then you can hit send in the morning. Same thing when they're on vacation. You should definitely do that when people are on vacation. 
Yeah, so I think there's a, a feature in Outlook on Outlook 365. I'm pretty sure it's still there. It, you can go in and, and for an individually email, say, do not send before. Oh. So that, yeah, there you go. That's that's productivity tip of the day I, I've gotten on that. And so you hit send and it just sits in a queue. Um, sorry, folks, on the, on the session. I know that sounds like maybe a ridiculous feature to talk about, but uh, I used the heck out of it after I got coached on um, not sending emails at night. So, uh, right now but, there's uh, a Microsoft product manager listening to this. Who's just so excited that you love that feature. Too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it solves a problem. So I don't look like a workaholic crazy guy. Uh, right. And expecting that of folks. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, so what else you see when you talk to customers today? I mean, there's gotta be some big, you know, questions coming in to ask an ex expert around this. I mean, I think a lot of it is in how they work with and influence their adjacent departments. Um, I think sales is not as wasn't as hard for them to translate into this environment, but I think for development and the sort of um, casual conversations that kept your stuff in the focus of development teams and that communication has been a little bit harder as a, a slightly as a whole less social group to partner with. So a lot of how can I continue to partner with them, influence them, keep kind of informed about what's happening um, in today's world? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, had, I was teaching some folks a couple of weeks ago in, the, in our build course, and as a product owner, talking about uh, you know being remote and and uh, how that's changed interactions, and it's really along that sort of let's just have a short conversation with engineering, just do a big quick walk by um, and he said that he'd gotten access to additional channels that the uh, uh, development team were using on Slack and uh, basically um, it was architectural discussions or design discussions and you know he would lurk for a while and, and sometimes chime in on kind of how to do things and uh, Basically, in retrospect, and I don't know what drove his, his retrospection, he basically said, you know, people don't like helicopter PMs kind of monitoring conversations and dropping in and, and leaving. And so I think there's a, you know, an important way to figure out the right way to work with your engineering team, uh, kind of know what's more visibility than activity. Um, I mean, I don't know what the boundary is, but that, I thought that was an interesting story that... Um, just because we have access to more channels of communication, um, we got to make sure we understand the right way to communicate in that channel, you know, inter, you know, culturally or organizationally. I guess maybe that's a, the easiest way to frame that, that situation, that product owner. So, I mean, one of the things I think was really interesting when, when the pandemic started was that there was a, a lot of questions about how am I supposed to get market data? How am I supposed to do market visits and interviews and Nahito conversations? in a time of pandemic when people are, are, you know, distracted and I can't travel. And um, one of the things I think we've seen and that our partners in, in our kind of win-loss provider partners have said is there's actually a much higher rate of acceptance to attend those meetings from customers than there was pre-pandemic. And I think that could be a great opportunity for product managers to, to really, again, dig deeper into that strategic part and those roles are there any hints you would have or any caveats about how to go about those in the, in the pandemic to get those good rates and or how to like share the information out when you can't just drop it at the water cooler? 
Yeah. Um, and so there's a couple ways to look at this, right? There's a, you, you have to have a kind of a programmatic way to look at win loss and market discovery. You know, it's not, you know, a, a project, it's a different way to work. So you kind of have to have a continuously asking for uh, meetings and discussions. And I suspect you're right. And, and then I, um, that people are accepting it at a higher rate because they control their schedule a lot more. Um, you know, but once they get in Zoom and you think about Nihito in a remote work environment, there was actually a, a really good podcast done earlier. Oh, Charles Topping did a great uh, webinar on Nihito in a remote world. Amy also did one. You're yeah, right. that was amazing. And uh, I really thought that was great. Um, you know, the challenge is the observation, right? You can get the interaction, the qualitative, the interview. And I, and I think the the biggest gap that to fill in a remote scenario is the physical observation in consumer markets, uh, validating physical designs for our hardware customers. Uh, some of our customers are lighting uh, both B2B and B2C. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. How do you replicate that? And I know that uh, Amy had some ideas uh, in her podcast that uh, highlighted that as well. Yeah, that's so, uh, no, two really good resources for, for everybody to check out um, because you can never do too many Nahida visits. Nope, but you got to set a goal because if you don't set a goal, you're not going to get to it, right? You got to have a, like a program that you're constantly working. Yes, for sure. All right, what else as a remote product manager or product marketer, what else uh, should, you, should you have people keep in mind or what other hints can you give them to really kind of hit it out of the park? I think you got to stay on top of your data, right? Um, while sales interactions might, you know, be easier to tra translate in a remote environment because often sales are remote and in the field, uh, you know, we need to have an understanding of what's the pipeline, what's the um, conversion if we're product marketers, if we're in uh, product delivery as a product manager, I know titles are a mess, um, you know, we got to make sure we have the right interactions around requirements, sprint planning, and that we truly stay connected to what the metrics are because a whole lot of work uh, that happened in an ad hoc social way just isn't possible anymore. And we're gonna need to use data to ask better questions as product folks. I mean, that's sort of the, the value of data science, asking interesting questions so we can connect, stay connected to the market, connected to the business and hopefully our, our peers across the organization. All right. We talked about lots of different things today, John. So if you were going to have people do two things differently as a remote product team member tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Um, I think the first and foremost, respect other teams, timelines, cultures, and lives is important because if you're going to build relationships and nurture trust, you got to understand that other folks are out there living their their best life in, in a remote way as possible and invest. The second one is invest the time to connect with them on their terms on the channels they want. Text, synchronous, asynchronous, get on a Zoom call and, and do a video. Um, and, and I think we all long a little bit for in real life. So, you know, do everything you can do to make those connections in the most honest and uh, appropriate way with your team members and your market. Good advice for product teams. Good advice for just 
being a good person. I like it, John. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, That does it for today's episode. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 